0: Welcome to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name's James Mason. I'm joined today to talk about Recruiting Right, How to Find the Ideal Candidate for Your Business by Suzanne Whitmarsh from First Executive, who's based in Victoria, Australia, and has been with MindShop for 20 years now. So thank you for being part of the podcast, Suzanne. Thanks for
1: having me. Looking
0: forward to it. Yeah, so to start us off, it'd be good to tell us about your journey to date and a bit more about First Executive.
1: Okay. So growing up, I wanted to be a journalist, of all things. Um, won a couple of English prizes early on. So that's my career path. And being the second of five children in the, in the 70s to a not very wealthy family, my parents had other ideas. So took me out of school after year 10 at the tender age of 15, because I started early and sent me off to secretarial school, kicking and screaming, I might okay. But that secretarial path um, stood me in good stead and I ended up um, in my sort of late 20s at a privately owned manufacturing business called Bribus here in Melbourne. And that was sort of a baptism of fire really for me, uh, learning more about MindShop actually, because Chris Mason uh, was working very closely with my boss, Tim O'Brien, on a number of um, business improvement initiatives at the time. Mm -hmm. And so my first sort of interaction and involvement was the coordination of those. But then I very quickly became very immersed in those because I thought, well, this is a bit exciting and interesting. And, you know, eight-week cycles and pulling people together from, you know, forklift drivers and marketing and IT and spot welders, you know, into groups in little, you know, in the canteen to work on problem-solving initiatives and R&D projects and, uh, yeah. Amazing. Loved it all. And we even had the uh, the first MindShop Excellence program when you were a, a cherub-faced 16-year-old, you may recall.
0: I do. Uh,
1: so, you know, just that was my, well, that was our first MindShop Excellence program. So, so I thought this is pretty cool stuff. So that was, it was wonderful being involved in the MindShop process rather than learning about it. And I think mm. that gave me a bit of an edge early on. And when we uh when we finally sold the business so I was there for an uh, an, almost a nine-year period and we took the turnover from 12 million to 65 million wow learned a lot about business along the way and you know I recall I learned two really important points one to know when to pull back so we poured a lot of money into an acquisition that was not going anywhere so it was you know, a million dollars in to know, OK, we've got to pull back and, and wipe the slate clean, which was difficult to do because a million dollars is a lot of money. But the process that we went through to make that decision, really important. So the importance of the robustness of process rather than an emotive decision. And the second key point um, about my time at brivis was the people, the 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 connection, the engagement, the importance, seeing them as an asset, not a liability, you know, working in a manufacturing environment if we were going to, you know, purchase a new piece of plant equipment, lots of research, lots of data, uh, return on investment, ongoing maintenance, all of that philosophy. Mm. Uh, We just tried to apply that to the people Peace And at the same time, when I was there, and this is the late 90s, I don't know, the late 80s, late 90s. We'll go 90s. We'll go 90s. (laughs) It's is all so far away. Um, The government came out with an initiative of funded training. So uh, it was my job to have everybody in the company undertake two training courses, one work-related, one not work-related. So, again,
0: started exposure to all the people side of things. And, and you, <laughs> I mean, you've always been great with people, and, and I saw that even remembering back to the Brivus mm. days. So did, so did that give you, you know, joining the dots on that journey, the, 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 the steps towards yes. looking at moving into that sort of first re- executive recruitment uh, and, yes. and retention space?
1: Well, we sold the business. So it was time, I guess, for me to move on to do other things. And I, being so involved and immersed in what Mind shop could do for a business, I wanted to go into business and do that. Didn't have the confidence, the funding, the client base. So went into recruitment because I'd been so involved in that people piece. When I started with brivis we had 50 staff. When I left, we had 303. So I was involved in all of that sort of process. Mm. So I started first executive in 2000, so 21 years and counting, still going. I remember walking back down William Street with my $77 certificate thinking, okay, well, if this being a single mother of two primary-age schoolboys at the time, thinking, well, if this doesn't work, I'm hardly unemployable. So hmm. here we are, 21 years later, still going strong. Recruited myself a dashingly handsome new husband in the middle there. Good. So Andrew Thosby. So he's a shop member as well. Most of your listeners would have heard or know Andy. And so together our um, he saw in me what I was doing in my business, um, key differentiator was that I came from a, a very much of business thinking rather than a bum-on-a-seat type recruitment, which, you know, recruitment sometimes has that um, stigma of just shuffling a CV and not really yeah. understanding the business piece. So, you know, the, the two of us have really built, built, you know, a really robust service offering incorporating a lot of the MindShop tools in what we do in the consulting space. Yeah.
0: And I think that's been something that set First Executive apart, that you have looked at the... The broader business, and looked at all the components of things, and looked at yeah. leadership, and all, all the the, the, um, the components that come together to um, create a, a business that can attract good good people. But you know, over that journey, you've seen lots of. Chops and changes in in business environment and the like. But what are some of the key trends that stand out to you that you're seeing around recruitment, especially in the current market? It's you know come back as a hot topic at the moment, especially oh. in COVID impacted markets. And we're hearing about this looming great resignation, and there's all yes. these things going on. So, what are the the couple of key trends you're seeing um, at the moment, specific in that recruitment space?
1: Well, certainly that the great resignation is it coming to Australia? Who knows. There's less people in the market looking. So, you know, in a, a year ago, two years ago, you might get 100 applicants to uh, an opportunity. Now you'll get six. So people are reticent to move because the devil they know rather than the devil they don't. Um, but I do think there will be a resignation, an element of it, just not sure how much, because um, employees, they're really quite fickle. Like where you know we're all at this level thinking, but you know I've retained their job and I've managed to you know let them work from home. So sometimes employers have this. Oh my gosh, how could you possibly consider leaving? But an employee is looking after number one as an employee should. Hmm. But the trends that I'm finding is is I think that there may be an element of that. Um, there's greatly inflated salaries in the marketplace at the moment, so companies are prepared to pay higher. Salary packages.
2: Mm.
1: Downside to that is a, a company should pay what a role is worth in the business, not necessarily what a candidate is looking for. And sometimes, if a if a client does go ahead and pay that, there'll be an element of resentment. Well, I'm mm. paying you fifty thousand dollars more, so I expect more. But the the candidate is only capable of fifty thousand dollars less.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. So that's tough. So it is a bit of a candidate's market, and also. There's the element of vaccination now. Last Mm. week we had our first, um, well, no, you can't work here because you've decided not to be vaccinated. That'd be a real challenge. That's a challenge. And uh, and also there's a a greater expectation of work from home. Okay. It's just part of like upfront, not we'll come in and, and learn the business and then we'll see how it goes and it's a bit of a treat. It's now, you know, supposedly proven that it works, so there's an expectation from a candidate perspective. So are clients comfortable with that? Do they have the right mechanisms in place? For it to be part of how we operate,
0: and I assume that'd be different across different industries and um, and role types of, in terms of the yeah, balance sure. of that. I, you know, are you seeing that? I'm assuming sure somebody, obviously in a manufacturing role, can't work from home. That's right. um, and then yeah. you've got leaders in certain roles. I mean, are you finding challenges associated with that? Because I, I guess it would. Vary so much across different industries?
1: Well, it does. So, you know, when clients are asking for advice, it really is a bespoke exercise because it comes back to can they fulfill the role? How is it impacting having someone not in the office? And what is lost with not having people in the office is an element of that learning, is an element of the less experienced people learning from the more experienced people just through those, let's have a quick chat, you know, the water cooler conversations, the overhearing mm. of a phone call. So there's less of that mentoring mm. going on. And then you've again got got um, the very important point that has come up more and more over these two years is the importance of, of mental health and well being across the workplace, that it's not, um, it's not something secret that if you've got an issue, here's the here's the brochure for the employee assistance program and you go off and have a quiet chat mm. and the manager knows nothing about it. It's more clients are taking more of a proactive, how can we support you better? I've been running a number of workshops with a psychologist that I work with on Uh, You know, managing through COVID challenging times. And we're all living with an element of stress. That's just normal. And it's about, it's more prevalent to have the conversation, which is good.
0: Yeah. And that when businesses have to take all that on on board because as we touched on earlier, I think it all comes with the, the the package to a certain extent that you have to take all those on board. Um, yeah. And so when businesses that you're working with are, are looking to recruit somebody at the moment, is there things that they're getting wrong when they're trying to um, find that right person for the role at the moment? Are they trying to do too much or are they trying to do li- too little? or they? Uh, I mean, what are some of the traps you're finding that people are stepping into?
1: I think clients in, in general or companies in general are not as prepared as they should be when they think they're sorry let me start again they're not as prepared as they should be when it's time to go to market Mm -hmm. a lot of line managers will come to hr or senior manager you know and they have what i call busy disease but again if i go back to my you know the value of a person as an asset you've if you're going to bring someone into your business and open up your ip you need to have done a bit of a business case what will What's the outcome this person will be producing? You know, what's the return on investment? You know, what competencies and capabilities do we need? How are we going to measure this person's performance? So often they'll come with, you know, a position description that's a list of tasks rather than what are they going to be responsible for? You know, we look at um, uh, roles in a business as strategic, business critical and support. Mm-hmm. strategic role, contributing to the strategy of your business, business criticals, protecting the wealth of your business, and then support roles are, are supporting those roles to deliver. So often the company's not ready. They don't have their induction ready.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: do do you challenge men, them
0: early on that if you if you yeah. get a sense that, look, yeah. they've come to us with a position description, but you, you're just not feeling once you understand the business is right, so you're, you're challenging them up front on that?
1: Yeah, so we have always, and I think this is where my my learnings from, from MindShop and us all those years um, ago, is preparation is key. Mm. So we spend more time here and then less time in the recruitment process. Mm. So you ask what mistakes clients are making, they're not being as prepared as they should, which we, of course, assist them to that point. So we don't go to market almost until they're very clear on what the 30, 60, 90-day expectations are you know mm. very clear about all of that and um i can't remember my second point
0: no it would have been amazing though it would have <laughs> oh, been amazing um <laughs> it. but come it, back i to mean me. just on that because just another thing i'm interested in your thoughts on in what they get wrong, you, you tend to find there's, um, you know, we get so much through social media now that businesses, uh, you see people, you know, they put the ping pong table thing they, you know, yeah. oh, Google did this and all these big tech companies are doing this. So everybody thinks that that's what um, team members want to a- attract yeah. them, that it's this cool, funky place. But yeah. uh, I mean, my experience has been that's, you know, not, not a default to assume because not everybody wants the, you know, that we all come in and everything's got to be intertwined with the social yeah. activities that, some people like to compartmental on one of those, yeah. right? So say, I'll come to the office, but then I'll go home and, and yeah, no other the two shall really meet. Uh, but are you, are you no. finding there's a, a bit of a challenge with that too?
1: Well, for some time, I think, well, not a, I think, I know, that learning and development is number one on what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. So they'll forego some salary. So, again, back to our topic of, of, of how to recruit effectively now, you've got to be clear on, you know, The environment and the mentoring and the learning and development, because people who are in come into the workforce in the last 20 plus years, attention span is shorter, Uh, their expectations of where I'm going to be moving to are shorter. Like, I've been in this role for nine months, surely it's time for a promotion. Or, Mm. and that's okay if they've you know, you can see across the board that they've nailed this role and then and responsibility but, you know, keeping those expectations um, and and talking about them early. So there's your communication piece is really important.
0: Mm. And and has has there been some clear shifts in the last couple of years? I mean, not just because of COVID, but uh, some of those trends that you've been seeing coming, are they sort of the big things? Or is there, you know, you're seeing things of video interviews with candidates popping up and a whole bunch of things. Are you seeing some of those sort of things cropping up more and more?
1: Yes, and more, well, certainly over over COVID, um, everybody we've recruited, we've been busy the entire time, has been via video and they've been hired by clients via Zoom and inducted via Zoom. So some have not even been to the office as yet. So it's been good for managers who in the past have thought, well, no, my staff have to be in the office. They can't possibly be productive if I'm not watching them. So that's been a real learning curve for leadership and management, which mm-hmm. is good, but also employees have to prove that they can do it. So there's mm-hmm. been a sort of a stepping up on, on both from both parties, which has been good.
0: Okay. And And what would leaders have to change in their approach to finding a right candidate at the moment? Is there different watering holes they've got to go to find them is there different ways that they need to attract them or
1: different ways to attract them is they need to be clear on the differentiation of their environment you talk about you know pool tables and and fruit bowls full and a massage on friday Mm. in some environments that's a real plus but in others it's not so it's work flexibility it's objective driven outcomes it's um, a community purpose or a real value, like how are you giving back to the community and what you do? More and more people are looking holistically at, you know, is work what I do for work an extension of me as an individual? Mm. I don't necessarily want to, be, want to be making plastic widgets that go into landfill. So there's been a shift in what people want from their environment. So mm. being very prepared and also In the past, a lot of um, clients have have sort of drawn out the recruitment process, feeling that they're the ones that are in control, and if that candidate wants to work for us, they'll wait. In this market, you've got candidates that have three or four opportunities. Mm. I'm not saying rush the recruitment process. You can still manage a very robust recruitment process that's thorough with, you know, psychometric assessments, the appropriate reference checks, but you've got to keep your candidates informed and you have to assess your candidate against the job brief, not against Tom, Dick and Harry. Like mm. in the past, you know, the, the general has been, well, we'll see three or four candidates and we'll compare them to each other. Mm-hmm. We've always mandated, as you know, compare the candidate to the job brief. So mm. it's been an education of the client and a changing in their mindset because they feel they're rushing. Mm. But they're not rushing if they're well-planned and well-prepared. So mm. they have to make uh, more timely decisions.
0: And when sure. they're looking to find that right candidate and building on what you've just said, it, does age come into it at the moment? Because you're seeing uh, it's probably the first, so many different generations and different mm. styles of people. Mm. You know, So is, is, are you finding that coming up as an issue much at all that somebody wants somebody that that, you know the the younger one or the more senior one or the uh, any any of that playing it out
1: not as much as it has sort of you know 10 plus years ago okay and it comes back to my earlier comment about is it a strategic role is it a business critical role or is it a support role Mm. so it's about the role it's about what that candidate can bring, their experience. Clients are more, thank goodness, finally open to uh, a a transferable skill set from industry to industry, whereas 10-plus years ago they had to come from the same industry, Mm -hmm. which is counterintuitive because, you know, you've got your shingle out for that company and then the next week you've got your shingle out saying, you know, this competitor is the best, it doesn't make logical sense, but clients had that because they thought, well, they have to hit the road running. Hmm. Okay. But if the client now has their house in order, you know, have their business processes documented. So, you know, we we help assist them with that. You know, we talk to them about having a turnkey business where you just put the key in and turn it. So. If Joe leaves, have you got your succession right? Because, you know, then Jack steps up and then you bring in someone underneath. You don't necessarily need to replace Joe. So mm. all of those, you know, in our consulting piece, we help get that structure right and realign that because every role should have a successor.
0: Yeah, like a workforce plan.
1: Workforce planning. And we do that with, you know, age, relativity, industry mm-hmm. shortages, all of those sorts of things. So certainly HRs had a great... Uh, seated the strategic table in the last 10 years and over the last two years has been seriously exhausted because of the the COVID impact and working from home and all the challenges that some of the staff have had, especially those with um, uh, homeschooling children and those that are living alone. It's been a period of challenges for for HR. They've certainly been on their toes.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And Mm. uh, um, one of the last questions I've got is what's one of the top reasons you're finding people leaving businesses at the moment? We've talked about sort of attraction retention, but yeah. are you are finding from all the, the businesses you're working with one or two sort of key reasons why somebody leaves?
1: There's that old cliche that people leave their manager, not their company. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, in years gone by, yes, that was a bit true, but these days with all the appropriate, you know, HR and bullying support and all of those sorts of things. I don't think it's that anymore. People will leave a business for two reasons: um, they don't feel valued, there's no career opportunity for them. Okay. And they're so easy to fix mm. from a from a client from a company perspective. So easy to fix.
0: So I guess that would still play out heavily towards the leader being able to have those open communication about yeah. the journey somebody's on as, as well. So. So there's
1: your proactive approach to your people, your proactive approach to performance management. Again, in years gone by, performance management was a bit of, you know, the fearful conversation, whereas performance management should always be on, you know, open door policy, you know, don't check out on us, keep talking to us, we'll see what we can do. But also some roles in a business, you'll always have turnover. And that's okay. So again, the, the, the client, the customer needs to understand which roles in the business it's okay and expected to have turnover in and make sure that those are, you know, have that documentation, that business process so someone can come in and easily pick up that sort of role. Okay. It's all about building your business robustness to enable people to, to come and go through your business and you're not weakening the infrastructure of your business at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so, just to finish off with some rapid fire questions to pick your brains a little bit further uh, what's the trend you feel is the most overhyped in recruitment at the moment?
1: Overhyped? Uh, well, the one that's of the greatest concern is the inflated salary expectations because there's a candidate short market. So, just be mindful as a, as a, as a, as a, a business not to feel pressured to do that to be reminded of all the other good things within your business so you don't go ahead and pay you know 15 20 over the odds and then regret that
0: and we touched on video uh, interviews earlier is there any one or two key tips that you give for people doing video interviews with candidates
1: mm-hmm. uh, be prepared don't make your candidate feel really welcome even if, they've, you know, they've messed up the camera or Zoom's not working or you have to revert to FaceTime. Just they're stressed enough as it is. Just be very welcoming um, so don't get hung up on the technology. Have your questions ready and, and also keep your candidates informed and engaged. You want every candidate that leaves an interview with your business having a very positive experience, even if they don't get the job. Mm. So you want them to leave the interview experience really wanting to work for you, then you get to choose, but your process needs to be robust and timely given the market that we're in.
0: Okay. And and the very last one, swinging back to to yourself, is what's the one capability area you're seeking to improve um, in the next 12 months for yourself personally?
1: I need to continue to learn and develop um, these last two years being in sort of an HR-related field. Um, everyone I'm a pretty positive person sort of all the time, but everyone expects all the time for you to be positive and you're constantly supporting others. So I haven't really focused on learning and development myself in the last sort of 12, 18 months. So just on the weekend, Danny and I were talking about um, um, we've sort of got two lounge areas and I've piled all these books on the coffee table. I said, that's our that's our reading room. These mm-hmm. are our winter quarters. And at the end of a hard day, you have dinner, you sit in front of Netflix. Now it's going to be into the reading room and we're going to continue our learning and development um, a few nights a week together, which will be good. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Great. And no, no particular topic area that you're going to focus in on, on that?
1: The, Business is so interesting. You can learn so much from so many diverse businesses that adds to to every career. I think so. Now I have I have a range of topics. I report back on my top ten when I've chosen.
0: Very good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for all your insights today on all all things recruitment and, and retention and business in general. It's uh, lots of great takeaways. I'm sure for those that are listening. So, thanks very much for your time.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
2: Great.